Good morning. Welcome to Crestview Inspiration, a ministry of encouragement from Crestview Baptist Church in Canton, North Carolina. We want to share with you sweet songs of worship and an uplifting word from the scriptures. While you listen, may the spirit of grace flow from heaven into your heart and home, right where you are. Hello, everyone. We want to welcome you to a time of worship and the word. No matter where you are or where you're from, no matter what nation, what tribe, what tongue, what language you speak, you're welcome in the house of God. And we just want to encourage you today to stand strong for justice, to stand strong in faith, and to remember that God has been faithful for a thousand generations, and He'll be faithful for another thousand. We believe that He's able to be faithful and make a way for us right now. I'm going to sing this older chorus with you, and then we'll sing Waymaker. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. I worship you, 
friend. I'm glad to be back with you today on Teach Life Radio, and I'm going to be moving to the 12th chapter of the book of Daniel, and I hope you have been tracking along with us in this rich study of the prophecy of Daniel. I'm so thankful uh, for our musicians and the beautiful music that brings in an atmosphere of worship preparing us to take God's Word. I want to 
bring this book to a close in the next two weeks as we finish the exposition of chapter 12 in the next couple of weeks. At this time in the history of our nation and in our world, we must be so attentive to what the Bible says is lying ahead in God's sovereign plan for human history. We must realize the Bible is a book that not only teaches us about who God is, who we are, and the plan of human salvation through the blood of Jesus, but a book of prophecy detailing the future of human history. I want to briefly review our study of Daniel from the beginning. Through the fire, chapter 3, God will prevail for you through the fire of adversity. We saw the three Hebrew children and the fourth man in the furnace. And then the greatness of God. God desires to reveal his sovereign greatness to us and how God revealed his sovereign greatness to Nebuchadnezzar. And then the handwriting on the wall. We learn tremendous lessons from God's handwriting on the wall, how God declares his purpose above all. And then the big faith test. God allows big faith tests in our lives. We see Daniel in the lion's den and how God brought him through this faith test and spared his life. And then chapter 7, the Son of Man, the prophecy of the Son of Man, who is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ here in Daniel, how that encourages us. And then we see the vision of the future as God unveiled to Daniel this vision and that God does want us to be informed of his long-term plan. And then Daniel's intercessory prayer as we see his prayer, the intercessory prayer of Daniel revealed to us a proper heart attitude, how God will here answer to prayer. And then the next chapter, God is faithful to execute his plan in response to prayer, how God heard his prayer and how God answered his prayer and how God is faithful to hear our prayers. And then a divine message that God is a revealer of divine messages we saw in chapter 10. And then we plowed through chapter 11 with six different messages on spiritual warfare, on God's sovereignty, on God's prophetic markers, on the foreshadow of the Antichrist, the unveiling of the Antichrist, and the final end of the Antichrist, which we saw last week. So this week, we're going to unpack the first three verses of Daniel chapter 12. And I want to take the scripture and read it for you now. This is what the Bible says. At that time, and of course, that's the time of the end during the tribulation, Michael shall stand up, the, the archangel Michael, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting content. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The prophecy of the end of days unveils crucial realities I want to give you five crucial realities just from these three verses that will transpire at the end of days. Number one, there will be unprecedented persecution of God's people. The cue given us here with the phrase at that time refers to the time of the tribulation, which we saw last week from the perspective of the Antichrist. The outbreak of persecution against God's people that will ensue in the second half of the seven-year tribulation, the three and a half years 
in the second part is going to be unlike any wave of persecution thus far in human history. This persecution echoes the persecution that we witnessed with Antiochus Epiphanes, who massacred 80,000 Jews in Jerusalem in a violent rage in 167 BC, and the persecution against the believers in Jesus in the first three centuries after the birth of the church, which occurred in nine waves of persecution, or even the massacre of over six million Jews by Hitler in World War II through systemic extermination in death camps, or the massive persecution of believers in the Soviet Union leading to millions imprisoned and killed following the years of World War II. But this persecution prophesied here in Daniel will be far worse than anything ever witnessed in human history. Jesus said it was coming, for then there will be great tribulation, such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. It's going to be so bad, so tough, so difficult in those days. Revelation 13, 7 gives us another hint. And it was granted to him, that's the Antichrist, the beast in Revelation 13, to make war with the saints, there's the believers in Christ, and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. There will arise unprecedented persecution against believers. But secondly, there will be divine angelic protection. As we look at this verse we see that the Bible clearly says the great prince, Michael, who stands watch over the sons of your people. In some sense, God is still protecting his people. Michael, the prince, who protects God's children during this time of severe tribulation, will stand watch over believers in Christ during the seven-year tribulation. This is the time of trouble, the time of Jacob's trouble. And this time is a time when the Michael high archangel of heaven is going to be assigned special protection over the people of God. We have much unknown that we don't really understand about this time of trouble, this time of seven-year tribulation. We know it's coming. We know the scripture has indicated it's coming, as we've seen in Daniel and in Revelation. We believe the church will be raptured at the outset of the tribulation, 1 Thessalonians 4. But we also understand that there will be some believers who are alive during the seven-year period, evidenced in part by this prophecy. There are going to be believers in Christ during this time. What we can discern is that some people will come to faith in Jesus during the time of the tribulation through the witness of the two witnesses of Revelation, chapter 11, and through the 144,000 Jewish evangelists. People will come to faith in Christ. But we also see that the persecution, severe and without precedent, will, in some sense, uh, be shielded by angelic protection given by God. And yet we still see that innumerable saints will die during this time of trouble, just as we read in Revelation 13, as we see also in Revelation 17, verse 6, it says, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Many people, men and women and children will be killed simply because they believe in Jesus Christ. So in what sense does Michael protect God's people? 
That's a difficult question. What we can determine is that the prayers of the saints will be guided by angelic protection as we witnessed by Daniel in chapter 10. In context of the book of Daniel, we see from Daniel 10 that the angel said to Daniel, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, perhaps as Satan. And behold, Michael, there he is again, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. And so the angel came to help Daniel in reference to his prayer. What we can understand is the angels will assist God's children in reference to their prayers. We can expect assistance in prayer for believers in Christ in every age. And we can expect the encouragement of the ongoing presence of Christ. And though there will be a massacre of believers during the tribulation, unlike any in history, the promise of Christ to never leave or forsake his own will still be true. This is what Jesus said. He came and spoke to his disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In fact, he told them, I have the keys of the kingdom. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Here we're looking at the end of the age, prophesied by Daniel. But Jesus said, I'm with you, even to the end of the age. He's continued to be with his children. Because when he makes a promise, he always keeps it. Jesus will never forsake his own children, and his angels will continually minister to his own, even, I believe, during the time of the tribulation. And number three, the third reality is there will be some divine deliverance for genuine believers. The scripture says, at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book of life. The question I want to ask is, what does that mean, that God's people will be delivered? Is that delivered from death or from something else? Does that mean they will not be killed during this severe persecution? It appears that when studying the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, that death for believers will be common and even expected. The world will be so inclined to evil under the rule of the demonized ruler who blasphemes God, that martyrdom of believers will be epidemic. So this deliverance appears to be referring to those who have already died but attained to the resurrection from the dead. And so they are delivered from the power of Satan and the curse of the second death. They're delivered from hell and condemnation. Revelation 21.8 says, As for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars. Their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So this deliverance uh, is most likely from eternal hell, which is reserved for those who experience the second death. And that really is the fourth reality, is there will be a resurrection from the dead. The scriptures say this, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting content. 
Here we see the resurrection from the dead of all people, but not with the same outcome. The words used in the scripture is those who sleep in the dust of the earth. In fact, Paul said the same expression, those who sleep. This sleep indicates that those who have physically died and their bodies, in some sense, sleep in death in the earth. Yet, this does not affirm soul sleep. You see, the soul never sleeps. It is alive at all times, either in the body on earth or in a state in the afterlife where it it is either with God or separated from God, depending on one's faith in Christ or lack of faith in Christ. Ultimately, this resurrection pictures uh, a bodily resurrection for all people that then they will enter the next phase of their existence according to their faith or unbelief in their earthly life. What we cannot see here in this text is the two different resurrections that will occur. In other words, this resurrection that Daniel's speaking about, as prophecy often does, it doesn't account for the time differentials. So let me just give you that in, in short. The first resurrection, which is for the genuine believers, and the second resurrection, which occurs at a later point in time, we see the first resurrection is the blessed resurrection here in Daniel as the resurrection or awakening from dust to everlasting life. This is described in Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. That's the first resurrection, the blessed resurrection. The second resurrection, occurring at a later time at the great white throne judgment, after the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, this is according to Revelation 20 and verse 11, it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were open, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Not only are the dead going to be raised from the dead, but there will be eternal judgment for all people whose names are not found in the book of life. And that's really the fifth crucial reality is there will be a type of judgment for every human being. There is a God in heaven and there will be judgment upon humanity. But I want to clarify this. This passage drives home the judgment that all humanity will face, but it's different. In the New Testament book of Romans, we see Jesus as the judge for all humanity. But there are two resurrections. There are two thrones of judgment. We see the Bema seat of Christ. This judgment seat is a rewards judgment for believers. And then we see the great white throne of Revelation 20. This is the judgment for unbelievers culminating in eternal hell. The question I'll ask you is, which judgment 
will you face a rewards judgment, which is simply a beautiful picture of Jesus handing out rewards for his children, or the judgment for your sins, which culminates in eternal separation in hell. In other words, resurrection is universal. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist or you're a devout believer in Jesus Christ. The bodily resurrection mentioned here is confirmed also by the book of Revelation. And the first resurrection, the beam of seed is only for believers. The second resurrection and the second judgment is only for unbelievers. But the outcome is just distinctly different. For genuine believers in Jesus Christ, there will be a beautiful eternal existence described by Jesus as eternal life and described here by Daniel as shining like the brightness of the cosmos and like the stars existing in a place described by the Bible as paradise or heaven. But for unbelievers, there will be shame and everlasting contempt that Jesus describes as a place of suffering, of endless punishment, and fire. This is the second death and the judgment of God upon those who have rejected Christ. Dr. Maurice Rawlings, medical doctor and cardiologist who was professor of medicine at the University of Tennessee College of Medicine in Chattanooga, was a devout atheist who considered all religion hocus-pocus. To him, death was nothing more than a painless extinction. By the way, if you're listening to this and you are an atheist, I would challenge you with his testimony In 1977, Dr. Rawlings was resuscitating a man who came back from the edge of death. The man was terrified and screaming. Rawlings wrote these words. Each time he regained heartbeat and respiration, the patient screamed, I'm in hell! He was terrified and pleaded with me to help him. I was scared to death. Then I noticed a genuinely alarmed look on his face. He had a terrified look, worse than the expression seen in death. This patient had a grotesque grimace expressing sheer horror. His pupils were dilated, and he was perspiring and trembling. He looked as if his hair was on end. There are many stories of near-death experiences in which people report moving down a peaceful tunnel toward a gentle light, but Dr. Rollins' research which appeared in Omni magazine some years ago, demonstrated that about 50% of near-death victims report seeing lakes of fire, devil-like figures, and other sights reflecting the darkness of hell. Just listening to these patients has changed my life, claims Dr. Rawlings. There is life after death, and if I don't know where I'm going, it is not safe to die. Through these experiences, Dr. Rawlings began studying what the Bible had to say about hell and other subjects, and he became a believer in Jesus Christ. His life was radically changed. Two of his books are Beyond Death's Door and To Hell and Back. You may ask me today, Pastor, well, I want to be in the first resurrection and go to the place called heaven. How can I do that? I would respond with what the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Ultimately, Your name must be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you must come to faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Jesus paid for your sins, your sins which condemn you to God's judgment. Jesus took the judgment of God intended for you at the cross 2,000 years ago, and when you come to him in faith, you believe that he died in your place, and he paid for your sins, the sinless Son of God dying for you and me, a sinner, 
and then he will forgive all your sins and you will be saved. And that includes having a repentant attitude and heart, which means turning away from your sins. If you want to do that right now, then repeat these words after me in a simple prayer, and then I'll pray for you. Pray these words. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I want to turn from my sins and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sins and that you raised him to life on the third day. I want him to come into my heart and to take control of my life. I want to trust Jesus as my Savior and follow him as my Lord from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray for your Father. To all who prayed this prayer, God, I pray you would cause your word to grow and they would seek you in your word and seek your people. And God, you would lead them, guide them, save them, anoint them, fill them with the Spirit of God and relieve them, Lord, of the burden of their sins that when one day they're laid in the dust, God, you would raise them to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, I pray. Amen. So, friend, remember today that God is still in control all the way until the end of days, and he has you in your life in the palm of his nail-scarred hand. You can trust him, and you can find his truths in in his Bible. His word are so faithful that they will carry you all the way to the end. So until next week, God bless you. Thank you for listening to Crestview Inspiration. May this ministry touch your heart, encourage you, and strengthen you. And may the Lord bless you in your spiritual walk this week. So on behalf of the Crestview family, we invite you back next week, Friday at 10 a.m. on WPTL as we spread the good news of Jesus.